Remember when you got saved? Before you uh, walked down the aisle, your heart was just pounding. Anybody remember that? <laughs> 18, 26 years ago, I felt that same thing tonight. Uh, I, first thing I want to say is it, it is a, a, an overwhelming honor to be able to stand and preach God's Word. Uh, 18 years ago, I got saved. I mean, 26 years ago when I was 18, I got saved. And uh, 26 years ago uh, when I was 18 was the last time that God let me preach from a pulpit. Now, I've, I've preached and I've taught in different venues, but uh, 26 years I've been waiting for this. And it's a, it's a privilege. Penny is probably afraid I'm going to chase rabbits. And it's her fault because we have a lot of rabbits on our land and she won't let me kill them. So, <laughs> but I'm not. I've got notes. Uh, I'm used to teaching in the jail. Uh, every Tuesday night I go and I teach uh, in the jail. And that, that's thanks to Wade. Uh, Wade's instrumental in that and a, a, a blessing too. Um, and I can chase as many rabbits as I want there. <laughs> but uh, what God laid on my heart really uh, you know, Rod told me that uh, when we talked about me teaching tonight, preaching tonight, uh, Brother Tony, we talked about it. Um, he said, share from your heart. And God had laid that on my heart. And I always look for confirmations of, uh, am I doing what God wants me to do? Uh, and the best source of confirmation is through my wife. And if you're married, you understand what I'm saying. Uh, but the second best source is when your pastors tell you what's on your heart already. Uh, you better go with that. So that's what I've got. Um, I've entitled this sermon, Step Up. I wrote this sermon. Uh, actually, I don't know when I wrote. I, I write a lot in this notebook. And uh, I was looking through. I had some things in my mind of what I wanted to share. And I was looking through this notebook, reading some of it. And I came across uh, this sermon. And uh, thank you. I don't remember writing it. But it says perfectly what uh, God's got in my heart. And what God has for uh, for me to share with y'all tonight. I don't want to so much preach, uh, but to share, like Brother Tony said, uh, what God's done in my life and is doing in mine and Penny's life. <clears throat> uh, step up on the edge of faith, or the edge on faith, and step out by faith. There are many times in life whereby we must make a decision, and with every decision there are choices to be made, some simple, some complex. The opportunity to follow Jesus oftentimes presents both. If you will study the Scriptures, you will find that, as Sherlock Holmes always says, it's elementary. Trust and obey, because there's no other way but to trust and obey. Uh, Matthew, you already I heard y'all turning to Matthew 14. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, because uh, Brother Tony only said I had about 10 minutes that he was going to preach after I finished. <laughs> That's not true. But uh, I understand the desire to, though. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> actually, yeah, I guess I'm going to read it. Uh, Matthew 14, uh, verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat 
and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, which is about 3 a.m., Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. It's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And when Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And Peter had come down, come down out of the boat. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they crossed over, they came to the land of Genesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick. And begged, and begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. Uh, the first thing we see in Peter is uh, verse 28. Uh, we see Peter's desire. It's the desire uh, that he had. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, you, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, before Jesus sent him off, if you'll look in the text, uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. He just got finished doing that, and he sent the multitudes away, and he sent the disciples in a boat. Well, they had ju- the disciples had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people with uh, a few loaves and some fishes. So, And they had seen, I mean, when they got to dinner Surrette, they understood that... Uh, the people there, when they knew who it was, they're like, this guy's got it. Let's bring everybody and get him healed. So the disciples know his power. And Peter uh, says, if it's you, and he didn't really mean if it's you. Uh, he's, what that means is since it's you, since I know it's you, uh, bid me to come out to see you. Uh, the call to follow Jesus is always preceded by desire. This desire will be one that is initiated by the Holy Spirit. Satan is never going to encourage you to do anything that will promote the kingdom of God or to, uh, to draw you, your family, friends, or foes into a closer walk with Jesus. This desire will be unnatural to your flesh and uncomfortable oftentimes. I tell my children that in order to become comfortable with something, you must first become uncomfortable. The desire that I have to serve the Navajo people is clearly God-given and over the last six years has only grown in mine and Penny's heart. Um, when I was 18, uh, actually I'm jumping points. Let me stop trying to chase a rabbit. Uh, everybody we talk to, uh, uh, about moving to Arizona, uh, anytime we say we're moving to Arizona, that's where God's called us to the Navajo people. They quickly get images of dirt and tumbleweeds and, and rightly so cactus and, and everything else. And they think, nope, not me. And I understand that thought. I understand that thinking. We, 
we do have rabbits in our yard. I wasn't joking about that. We got a bunch of rabbits uh, in the springtime that just run around, and they're the kids love looking out the window. There's a rabbit right there eating grass. There's not going to be that out there. There's not going to. I stand out and look out my kitchen window, and uh, God's blessed us with a, a nice piece of property in Sosha, and uh, out my kitchen window, you don't see anything but green, nothing but trees. You can't see any houses. You can't see anything. And I was standing there yesterday looking out the window thinking, wow, man, this is beautiful. I love it. And I do. I, I love where I'm at. Uh, I've lived in, in my life, and, uh, and this is probably five years ago, I counted up in 50 different homes. Uh, and that was five years ago, and I moved a couple times since. So, you know, we're getting close to 60 different homes. My dad wasn't in the military. Uh, my dad was out to find money in, by any means necessary. And uh, we moved all over the place uh, because of that. So having a home that's mine that, you know, I've been seeking after for years and years and years. I've, I've, we've only been there, we bought, we bought right after the hurricane. And, uh, you know, I've dreamed of having that established, having that place and this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going to be and being excited about that. And then God says, you're moving. Uh, you're leaving this place. And until December, my heart was still attached to uh, uh, 18322 Early Wind Drive. And uh, in December, God detached my heart from that. Not that we're going to get rid of it, but uh, my heart longs to be in Arizona. Uh, I lived there as a young boy, and as, uh, we, I was 10 when we left. Uh, I'm from Mississippi, born in Jackson. My, my mother's from Biloxi, uh, but that's part of my father's moving. Uh, we lived in Phoenix, and I remember as a 10-year-old boy dying inside because we left Arizona. And I look back, and I see how God's worked in my life and ordained things and built a desire to do different things and go different places and, uh, you know, often wondering, asking God, why would you make me this way? I don't understand. And uh, to see it, like Brother Tony said, over the last year, just, uh, just all culminating so fast. Uh, it's uh, head spinning uh, fast. So this desire that we have, that Penny has, that I have to go to Arizona is God-given. I can't explain it. Uh, I can't. I, I just know that God has grown it in me. And I can't, I can't wait to be in Arizona. And uh, we have a picture, don't, you don't have to show it yet, but uh, uh, of the place, Nazalini, actually, you probably are familiar with the view, Brother Rod, um, that I took when I went out there to visit Truman. And I, I want to share a little bit about Truman in a minute. But that's the desire. Peter had a desire. And you understand, Peter believed. Peter, I mean, most of us know Peter. Peter was bold, brazen. Uh, I mean, he said that I'll follow you anywhere, Jesus. Uh, but when they came and took him out of the garden uh, to crucify him, and, and Peter denied him. <laughs> um, but, but that was Peter's heart. Peter really had that desire, but like all of us, he's got a flesh to deal with. And uh, that's, the, that's where I was. Um, the second thing we see is the call. In verse 29, uh, so he said, come. Jesus said, come. That's the call. Jesus called to him to come. He believed. Uh, the call to follow Jesus is always preceded by a desire. Uh, I'm sorry. 
I'm trying to go back to the call. I mean, the desire. 26 years ago at 18, uh, I gave my life to Christ and soon after surrendered to preach the gospel. Uh, Romans 10, 17 uh, says, So then by faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Uh, God called me to preach. God called me to be one that spreads the gospel, that uh, uh, draws men into faith. And uh, at that time, my mother was not living for Christ uh, when I was 18. And when uh, I shared the news of my call with her, uh, she made a statement that rang loud in my ears. She said uh, that she didn't know why I wanted to be a preacher. Preachers are poor, and you know what it's like. And for the next three, three years, I considered what she said. And at the ripe old age of 21, I walked away from that call for the pursuit of money. God called me to leave Michael Memorial. I was a member at Michael Memorial uh, at the time and go to Pleasant Hill. Uh, for 10 years of my life, I ran from 21 to 31. Uh, I was on the run from it. I was on the run from the call. I was seeking after money. And I made a lot of money during that time, but I was never poorer than in that time of my life. Uh, I made lots of money, but it just went and went and went. I was a child of God, and I was running from it. I didn't understand. I didn't know that uh, once you surrender to, uh, to a call of Christ, and I don't care what, what it is in ministry, if you run from it, God can keep you to the promise. <laughs> Uh, and he proved it to me after 10 years that he could hold you to the promise. And, and I understood. And uh, in 1997, I met Wade and Chuck. And uh, not here, is he? Uh, and God's used Wade, uh, especially Wade, uh, to minister into my life. Uh, since 1997, there was a period where I was really on the run. But uh, uh, when I came back, I went to Wade. And I, you know, when I came back to Christ... Uh, I was seeking for what God wanted me to do. I really wanted to know. And when I was 21, I had joined Michael Memorial. And uh, I was still a member here. And I came to wait. I said, look, you know, I'm looking for a church. Uh, I visited this one little church up in Socher. And, uh, but, I, you know, I need some advice, some counsel. Because I, I, at 10 years old, I pretty much knew I had everything figured out. So by 18, I was a genius at life. So, you know, I wasn't asking anybody's counsel. So at 31... I was looking for some advice because I figured out, man, I screwed all this up. And uh, I came to Wade and I said, look, I, you know, I, I visited this one little church. I really like it. Uh, but I'm a member at Michael. What, what do you think I should do? I need some counsel. And God, Wade said, and, and this is the first time I heard it. I don't know if you know this, Wade. Uh, God always confirms what his will is for you to you. Always. He'll always Make sure you understand. Make sure you know. And uh, I prayed and God did confirm. Uh, Wade said it might be for you to go to that little church. Well, uh, that little church is where I met my wife. <laughs> uh, and I praise God that I went to that little church. Uh, I learned, God, that was another season of my life. It was 10 years of my life. I stayed there. And uh, God molded and shaped me some more 10 years of my life. Uh, when I was 18, I saw... Uh, where somebody uh, my age went on a mission trip. I had a lot of friends that uh, were going to uh, Papua New Guinea and uh, different places, and I thought, man, that would, must be great uh, to be able to go on a mission trip, uh, to be able to go to another country and see other people. And, and my thought was I'll never be able to do that because, you see, I, did, I was poor most of my life growing up. 
and there was a lot of things that weren't available to me. And I just assumed that uh, I couldn't do it. I didn't know that they fundraised and got a lot of money. I didn't grow up in a church. And uh, that was my first thought. I'd like to go on a mission trip. Well, I joined Pleasant Hill, and uh, there was a mission trip going to Honduras. And uh, I was a single guy at the time looking for God's will, and uh, I signed up for the mission trip. And I met her. She was, Penny was organizing the mission trip. And uh, that's when I met her. The preacher introduced me to her. Uh, I think she was about 12 at the time. But uh, <laughs> at least I thought she was. Um, she's 12 years younger than me. I scored. Uh, anyway, I got to go to Honduras. Well, that was the first mission trip I ever went on was Honduras. And it was seven months before we went. Uh, had to be at least seven months because we were engaged for, we were together for seven months, actually, uh, when I proposed to her. And I proposed to her behind a waterfall in a cave in Honduras, uh, which God set that up. I couldn't have done that. Uh, that's, this is me following God now. Me not following God caused more pain and damage. than. And, and some of y'all are familiar with that. Probably most of y'all. I mean, you're all human, right? <laughs> Probably made some decisions that were really bad. Uh, God's able to take them and turn them around. I mean, I'm a walking, talking testimony of that. And a lot of, I know a lot of y'all. I know Wade. <laughs> I know Steve. Uh, I know their lives. I, these, there's some men in this church that, that I love and that uh, I respect and that uh, God has used to minister to me in my life. And uh, uh, it's an honor to be a member of this church. I thank God for bringing me back here. Well, I surrendered. Uh, Penny and I got married. We came back. And uh, Penny, when she was 12 years old, had a desire to go into the mission field. And uh, after we got married, I don't know how long after we got married, uh, she, Penny and I surrendered to that call, to the mission field, uh, knowing that it would not be until after Rhett and Noah uh, our two teenage sons uh, graduated high school. So we knew it would be a long road, at least 10 years. Uh, and it has been. Uh, Noah will graduate next May. Rhett graduates next month. Noah will graduate next May. And uh, we believe that's... Actually, I told somebody yesterday, uh, if we can be packed up and ready to roll out after the graduation ceremony, we're going. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's in God's timing. Uh the next thing that you got to uh, uh, <laughs> that you have to think about when you're talking about a desire and a call is the focus, because I lost focus. Uh, I put my eyes on something else. In verse thirty, uh, I skipped some scripture. I usually don't use notes. Sorry. Uh, well, this goes along with it. Psalms thirty-seven four. Uh, says, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, that was five. Delight yourself, in the Lord, also, yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And what's neat about this scripture, and I just remembered it, uh, Penny and I were memorizing scripture. The first, first year of our marriage, we were in the process of memorizing scripture. And uh, we came back to each other the same night. That, I think it, one night, and uh, we had both memorized that same two verses, uh, which spoke to us profoundly uh, at that time. But 
you have to make a commitment to God. You have to make a commitment to Christ, uh, to serve him, to follow him. He'll bring it to pass. I don't know how he does it. I mean, there, there's a lot of y'all sitting here that God has done things, and you look back and you don't know how he's done it. And there's somebody sitting here, uh, probably like I was at one point, thinking there's no way he can do it. Uh, trust me, uh, there's a way. Uh, it, there's a way. Um, the next thing is the focus. Verse 30. Uh, but when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Uh, like Peter, I took my eyes off of Jesus and firmly placed them on my circumstances. Uh, the millisecond that you begin to slip, uh, at first it's uh, undiscernible, it's small. It's the small sin. Song of Solomon uh, 2.15 says, uh, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. The seemingly insignificant issues of life uh, are what drag you down uh, and find you slipping back into what you were once taken out of uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he uh, that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, after Jesus bade me come follow him in his great work, I took my eyes off of him and focused on the hypocrites of the church. That's, that's the first thing that drew me out of uh, my walk with Christ. I started looking at all the people in the church that were doing things that were wrong. Uh, in other words, I looked to the storm and not to the source of my faith. Uh, the preceding 10 years were some of the most painful, damaging years of my life, some of which I still suffer the consequences. But through the pain, I have learned to recognize God-given desires to embrace the call of Christ and maintain great focus on the one who saved me. For this is the only way to trust and obey. Penny and I have been praying for 10 years. For 10 years, we've been praying, and we've had people in the church, and not here, uh, people in the church that have looked and said, oh, well, y'all, they gave up uh, on that call. We surrendered to the mission. We stood before the church and gave our lives to mission work, and we've been on mission uh, missions since that. I mean, we never stopped going. When God allowed us, we went. But because we hadn't gone in the field, people were like, oh, well, you know, you probably uh, just figured you'd quit. It's God's timing. I mean, there, I can't tell you how many times we prayed and asked God, what's going on here? We did surrender. We are willing. We want to. And it's in his timing. It's, it's not in my timing. It's not in her timing. Although, I'm, well, actually, I'm glad it's not. Uh, there's many times I wished it was. But um, I, I don't, I'm, Brother Tony said it. I, we, there's still some things. Actually, Craig said it. There's still some things that we don't understand. We we don't know how it's going to work. Uh, we actually feel like that we're going to go sooner than Noah graduates. That's why I sound kind of iffy with that year. Uh, I feel like we're going to go sooner than that. But I don't know how my 17-year-old son, uh, <laughs> I don't know where he falls in there. But you know what? God knows. Uh, he's proven to me time and time again. Every time I've taken control of my own life, I have royally messed it up. I mean, cause pain that, that is unneeded. 
Uh, and it's every time I've taken my eyes off of Christ. Uh, it's, it's when I've focused on my circumstances, uh, when I've paid attention to uh, the, the cares of this world. Uh, I've learned to not do that. I've learned to keep my focus on Him. I've learned to uh, um, put my hopes and desires uh, in Christ, in the things of, this, uh, uh, of the next world. And this is not our home. Uh, I, can't, I still can't remember. Penny and I were talking about, somebody told me one time, um, and they were Christians, believers. Uh, they said, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. That's retarded. I don't care. I mean, if, if that's not PC for me to say retarded. I, it's, it's when they said it, and I was just really getting started in my walk, it just sounded wrong. Uh, this is not our home. This earth we walk on is not our home. I, I, if you uh, are a child of Christ, you long to be with him. And he does not live here. <laughs> um, I look forward to that. That's where my focus is now. And uh, uh, the first time we went to uh, uh, the Navajo was uh, with our old fellowship. And uh, the first time we went out there, we knew. Uh, that was 2007. Uh, first time we went out there, we knew that's where God called us to, but we didn't know how. We prayed. We thought Honduras for years. And we, every, we tried to go back to Honduras on several trips. And God just, I mean, shut the doors, wouldn't let us go. And we were confused, didn't understand. Wow, you know, God, we want to go. What time am I supposed to stop? <laughs> you told me only this so long. No, uh, I don't even know what time. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, I'm trying to break the rules. Um, we prayed and prayed and prayed. And, and uh, um, last June when we went, uh, God showed us. Uh, we went two times with the other fellowship. But uh, when we went last June, uh, God made it very clear, this is what I want you to do. And this is the area. Now, we still weren't sure of when the time frame of God was going to move us. We knew uh, for uh, since 07, uh, we've known that we were going to move out there. We just didn't know when, how, didn't know any of that. And in God's divine providence, um, he hooked us up with a mission group that, for all uh, intensive purposes, we, as a church, thought we were going to walk away from. But when we went out there, uh, God said, don't worry about all this peripheral stuff you see. You just, I, I've got you here for a reason. And we knew that. And uh, we found out in December why. Uh, we, God blessed us with the opportunity to go uh, without our kids. It's the first time we've been on a mission trip without our kids. It was nice. But uh, not that we don't love our kids, but um, I met Truman, a, a, a Navajo medicine man, a medicine man of medicine men. I mean, I've got pictures. I took pictures while he wasn't looking uh, of his grandfather and his parents, and, and they're all dressed up in their Native American garb. Uh, it's really neat. I've got them on my phone if you want to see them. Anyway, um, Truman Daly was his grandfather, and that's what, every time he mentions him, he says Truman Daly. And uh, he was a medicine man, and he raised Truman from a little bitty boy, uh, teaching him the ways. But Truman prayed for years and years and years. And never had any prayers answered. So he knew his way was wrong. 
And that's, you know, then we walk in in December. And uh, I led him to Christ uh, a couple weeks ago. And, uh, man, what a blessing to be able to use, be used that way. I, uh, you know, amazing grace is amazing to me because I'm a wretch. In my flesh, I'm a wretch, and I know that. And I shouldn't, God shouldn't be using me the way he uses me. I, I remember the stuff I've done. Won't go away as hard as I try. But God uses me. Trust and obey. And uh, before, when I left away from this house, I was thinking, Lord, I can't be here. I can't come back right now. I know that I'm not coming back. And Truman was visibly, clearly upset because he wasn't going to have anybody to really talk to. And uh, I got a call. Uh, Michelle called me. Michelle Caldwell called me and said, this man's calling. He wants your number. I'm not giving it to him. Here's his number. And it was a, man, a, 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 a reverend, a doctor, Don Bradley, out of Memphis. And he said, uh, I've got a missionary out there that's worked with me- medicine men that have converted. And, uh, you know, we want to be able to uh, help him right now. I said, great. Here's his number. Gave him all the information. Before, when I was pulling out of the driveway, God was answering that prayer, uh, which is amazing to me. I mean, taking care of Truman. God, God knows Truman. God knew Truman before the foundation of the earth. I didn't have to worry about anything. And I was stressing until I got to Albuquerque in the hotel, and, uh, uh, which is about four or five hours. I'm going to end with this. Uh, can you shoot that picture? Um, this is, uh, it's kind of rough. That's an iPhone picture, so actually that's a little better. Um, this is, uh, I was standing on the side of a road coming down a mountain out of Ganado, Arizona into Nazalini. You're familiar with, not, you've been in Nazalini, right? Uh, this is overlooking that big valley as you're coming down off that mountain. Um, this is what it looks like out there. If any of y'all are not familiar, I'm sure everybody's probably seen pictures of Arizona, but this is the area, uh, very close to the area that we'll be at. Uh, I wrote, I write, and uh, Penny tries to encourage me to write more, but I just, you know, one of those things that you feel really uh, uh a knot in your gut about doing. You just want to put it off, put it off, put it off. But you know God wants you to do it. And uh, writing is one of the things that, that's that way. It just seems like the biggest chore in the world for me to do. But from time to time, uh, I write poetry. And I wrote this. And I read it two nights ago. And I wrote this about five years ago. But I read it two nights ago. And having this picture or a picture of this place in my mind, it just blew me away that what God had in my heart. Uh, and I'm going to read this, and I want you to picture this place as I read this. And you'll learn, I wrote this five years ago. Uh, but actually, I wrote it before we ever went to the Navajo people. Uh, the wind blows in and the wind blows out. It brings the rain that ends the drought. It feeds the dry and thirsty land. It brings new life. It wets the sand. It helps the trees and grass to stand. The wind blows in, the wind blows out. It brings the rain that ends the drought. It brings new life into my soul. The spirit waters and takes control of a life once dry and under the sod of the lands of Satan where he doth trod. The winds blow in and the winds blow out. They bring bring the rain that ends the drought and fills the well and springs forth out of a soul set free from famine and doubt. The winds blow in and the winds blow out. It brings the rain that ends the drought. It waters my dry and thirsty soul. It fills me up. It makes me whole. It gives me life. It helps me to stand as I journey throughout this foreign land.
God was speaking to my heart about this place before I even knew it. I mean, that, the winds blow in, the winds blow out. I had that written in this book for probably two or three years. Uh, Lord spoke it to me sitting on Penny's mom and dad's front porch. They have a wind chime. And most wind chimes, they make different noises. But this wind chime, it blows the same exact way every single time the wind blows. And it makes the same few dings, <laughs> which was the tune I had in my head when I wrote this. Uh, that's how God works. I mean, I, I didn't know that we'd be going there. I didn't know that. But the, this poem speaks to my soul. Uh, it speaks to my heart uh, in a way that I couldn't orchestrate, that only Christ uh, in your life. Uh, and the focus is real simple. Uh, stay in the Word of God. Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's whenever I get to where problems are going on, God says, Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first. And that's always, I look back, yep, I'm not seeking. Uh, thank y'all. Uh, I appreciate this church. Uh, I praise God. I praise God, you know, how much uh, that he brought us here for this, uh, to bring us to the next uh, uh, step in our lives. Uh, I would not, and I say this, I, I, I tell the guys in the jail, and don't take this wrong, I know you're not in the jail, <laughs> and Penny gets on to me for being forward sometimes, but uh, uh, I don't know, it sounds mean. Uh, I, when I go to the jail, I tell them, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to make friends, and I'm not in the jail to make friends. God's got me there for a different reason, and I explain to them, uh, we can be friends. Uh, and I, that's, that's not a problem, but that's not why God has me here. Uh, yeah, it did sound mean. Uh, I'm not telling you this to make friends. I'm not, fi- what I'm fixing to say, I'm not telling you this so that you'll like me or, or in any kind of way, shape, form, or fashion. But it is a privilege to be uh, a f- in this fellowship with these people, uh, with you people. Uh, God has, is, is, accelerating relationships uh, with us in, in a way that she, Penny and I have never seen. And, and I know some of you, uh, I know some of you the same way. Uh, and, and put me in a fellowship with uh, men like Wade and Steve and Chuck and, and some others that, uh, Butch, that I've known for a long time, uh, and Dave, uh, that I love and, and know me and have fellowship with me and minister with me and Miss Charlotte. There's a lot of people here. <laughs> and Dina. Dina and Robert. I went to high school with Dina and Jenny. I mean, I, I wonder why God would bring us here. And then I don't wonder. I know why. But uh, um, thank you all. I appreciate it. Look, Tony. Hey Amen. Let's stand and uh, just have a time of of prayer and thankfulness towards the Lord. Let me just say a couple things to you. Sometimes, you know, we, uh, and, and maybe it's the way I verbalize things sometimes. Sometimes um, when God begins to move in a, in a great way and uh, we're, we're talking about uh, being on mission for God or doing this or doing that, and sometimes there's an opportunity for you in your heart to think, well, you know, if I'm not, doing that, then I'm not doing anything. 
And what I want you to, to, to just stack on top of everything you've just heard is this. Is that you have the same opportunity that Mark has. And here's how it works. As he goes and Penny goes and they move their family to go and devote themselves to doing the work of the Lord. If you'll pray every day for them, you'll be just as much a part of what God does in them as if you were there personally. Just pray for them. And just love them in your heart and lift them up before the Lord and say, God, bless them and use them. And you see, we're in this together. And what we got to understand is that when one goes, a hundred stay and build a foundation. For every one, there's got to be a hundred on their knees. So let's be that hundred. And let's ask the Lord to bless the work that he desires to do in Arizona among the Navajo people. And that one day we'll stand up here and we'll be able to hear a report about revivals broken out amongst the Navajo and hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of people have come to Christ. The bars are shutting down. Alcohol is no longer uh, the main food source on the reservation. And God is glorious and people are praising him and giving him the worship that's only due him. Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness in just reminding us, Lord, that you are always up to something in our heart. You're always spurring us forward and calling us, Lord. And, and God, I pray tonight that, that every single person here would recognize and realize the grand opportunity we have just to watch you work and to pray and to seek your face and, Lord, to to be a part, whatever part that you have, Lord, it's a part. And if it's a place in your kingdom, it is glorious. It is so valuable that no words that I can use can express its, its value. And it's wonderful, wonderful place in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being a God who intervenes and meddles in our lives. And, and God who who just orchestrates circumstances and, and how you just continue to remind us time and time and time again. Come home, come home, come back, come back until we finally get what you're trying to tell us. Thank you so much, Lord. That, Father, no matter what mistakes are in our past, no matter what stains and blemishes, Lord God, we've left upon our lives, you're bigger than all of that. You're greater than all of our past and we are so very thankful tonight. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, may they not leave this place tonight without committing their life to you, receiving you as Lord and Savior. And Father, we'll be grateful for that. Lord, we're going to take a time and we're going to just pray and be still and thank you for your goodness among us. Lord, I pray that you use this time, God, to encourage each and every life here to devote themselves to your purposes and your glory above all things in Jesus' name.